What's up, everyone? Welcome back to True To You Chats with your host, Casey Brown. Thank you so much for joining us today in this episode. We have the lovely, talented, inspiring, motivating Jordan Corcoran on today's episode. If you do not know who Jordan Corcoran is, get ready because she is going to inspire you with her story Jordan was actually the captain of my high school girls soccer team, and she was always just known for being so strong and warm and inviting and very motherly at a young age. And we, she's just, she's just the best. You just want to be around her. And little did we know that Jordan had been struggling with anxiety behind the scenes. And It all came to a head when we were at an away game, and we'll talk about this in the episode, but Jordan had an anxiety and panic attack on the field and ended up running off the field. Our coach got involved, her mom got involved, and all of us, that was the first time I had seen someone that I thought, quote unquote, had it all together, have a moment like that. And it was something that I remember and her and I talked about in this episode. And the beautiful thing though, is we go through these hard times and now on the other side, she's a motivational speaker, bringing mental health in front of others, showing that it's okay to struggle. We can get through this. We can use it as a platform to help others and build a business, a successful business that she's been able to grow over all these years. And I've been able to watch grow from afar and be a part of. And I just love Jordan so much, guys. Please give her a follow on Listen Lucy. And she'll go into the story behind Listen Lucy and who Lucy is. And also, she just wrote a children's book about anxiety. And I'm like, ah, this was totally my life. And there were no books around that time in the way that she just created. So please check out Little Lucy and the Little Butterflies. I will link everything in the show notes. You're going to want to follow Jordan. Thank you, Jordan, for being on the show. We love you. And I will see you all in the next episode. right in um so welcome guys this is I don't even know what episode we are on because we've 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 uh turned our timeline upside down and we've we've throw we're gonna throw things in different areas um so we're not sure what episode we're on but this is a very important episode because we have my lovely high school friend Jordan who I've known as Jordan Zangaro for so many years but Jordan Corcoran. She's married to her high school sweetheart, and she can probably get into all of that, right? <laughs> right? It's a riveting story. <laughs> it is. It is. And so the reason I'm so every time, you know, with the with this podcast, I obviously started to write down a list of people that I really wanted to bring on and chat about. And my whole thing is true to you chats, like being true to you in this open form of just chatting. And obviously I want that emphasis of, um, you know, physical wellness too, where obviously that's a huge passion of mine and Sam's is personal training and fitness and how that fits into all of this. But a humongous side of so much of this, if not the most important, is our mental health. And obviously I'm very open about my story, my struggles, my anxiety journey since being a, you know, having it as a child, starting there, going through everything I went through. But when I put down a list of people I wanted to bring on, Jordan was just one of the top people because we've been connected for so long. And I've, so a little bit of back, 
background of how I know Jordan is we, uh, I believe, were you a junior when I was a freshman or were you a senior when I was a freshman? I can't remember. Are you, uh, this is like a funny question, but are you older than Sarah Hargrove? <laughs> yes, I'm older than Sarah Hargrove. <laughs> okay, Sarah was a senior, or Sarah was a freshman, so you were a sophomore. It's really funny. She's going to love That's- that. Yeah, shout out Sarah. She'll be so pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Who I would also love to have on this. Um, but that's the cool thing about our I always so I train soccer athletes now, but like our soccer group of girls, like growing up, is to me, it's like an extended family that you might not talk to all the time, but we have such a connection like between all of us. And I feel like if I ever needed anything in life, I could just reach out and be like, any one of my soccer girls would like help me. Like, that's just how I feel. We were so much of a family. And so Jordan would have been a, a junior. So I'm trying to think back with a senior. No, I was, been, a, but... sen- yeah, oh, I was a senior when you were a sophomore. When I was a sophomore. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, old. we got it. That's what we're trying She's to say. So old, yes. We brought the grandma on today's podcast, but <laughs> so I figure out how the Zoom works. <laughs> is this I... on? Is this <laughs> is my volume on? <laughs> this is amazing. So Jordan and I played soccer together in high school. Um, we figured out what year we were now with all of that. But Jordan was such, and I say this all the time. Jordan was such a mentor to so many of us younger girls like we just she was just so welcoming and so I remember feeling so intimidated to like go to my first practice and you know you go and all the older girls seem so like intimidating but Jordan was so open and just like hey like I got you like let's do this and she had a very mom vibe about her without saying you're old but it was like that mom that mom older sister love like she just did and it all, we always felt very comfortable with Jordan. Like everyone would agree. And so I remember when in Jordan, I want you to get into obviously what your story and, and what you've done. And it's amazing, but it's so, I was just telling Sam this the other day when I was explaining who you were, right. I was like, we, so Jordan is very open about mental health and her struggles as well. And Being from a younger perspective, I had no idea that Jordan had any issue, any mental health struggle, any struggle at all, because we were so young and you just didn't, I think it was just, there was no social media. There was no way to open up about things. And I had no idea Jordan had any issue until we were playing. I'll never forget. I don't know why this is in my memory, probably because it happened and we were all shocked in a way because Jordan had, Jordan had held, held so much in, I think for so long, um, we were playing a game. We had, we were, I think it was an away game if I remember correctly. And yeah. And Jordan, Jordan was one of our like all-star defenders. Like she was just the most reliable. I want to say outside back. Correct. Yeah. I thought so. Cause I, I, right. But that's how I remember Jordan, like that outside back. She was so consistent, so strong. And out of nowhere, we're like in the middle of playing a game and Jordan like goes off the field shaking and like crying. And everyone is like, what the hell? Because no, like this girl, like to all of us, it was like, she was like the rock of the team. Like it was like, Jordan was like so strong, stable, not saying you, you weren't because of that moment, but I'm saying like, we didn't know. Right. right? And so I remember Jordan's mom running down from the stands and like going over with Jordan and our coach walked away 
and she was just shaking and and crying and all of us were continuing on playing but we're kind of like what is happening like it was like so heartbreaking what the hell? Because <laughs> nobody knew what was going on because jordan had never had a moment like that in front of anyone and so i i was telling sam i'm like that's the only time that i ever was like wow like Jordan, something's going on and we just didn't know about it. And I think that it's so interesting with so many of us going through this in high school, but not talking about it and not. Oh, completely. Yeah. And also at that specific time, um, I didn't know what was going on. And I think that's the whole point of us having these conversations is that I wish someone like me and like you and Sam, that we, that I had someone to listen to then to be speaking that language that I didn't know that I, that I knew. And I, those years of high school are always, you know, it is what it is. And I've made my peace with it now, but it's always hard to look back on because I was struggling with figuring out what was going on with me and like what was quote unquote wrong, but I had no idea. So at that time I was getting taken for all of these physical tests. They thought I had MS. I was getting MRIs. So the pressure of all of that without telling anybody what I was, it was just like mounting on me. And no one had suggested at that point that it was something with my mental health because I was having all these physical side effects, you know? So it was a really difficult time because I couldn't express to anybody what was going on because I didn't know what was going on either. You know, it was just a very scary time that I don't, you know, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Well, right. And that's, I think, you know, it's so interesting because in my first episode, which is my intro to like why I wanted to start this podcast was I also this year, it was like this, well, many times in my life, but this year was another year where obviously I want to talk about how, um, you know, this whole lockdown situation affected you, Jordan, because I know we, you, you were open about that. Yeah. And so, but it, it, Sam will know too, like I started having physical symptoms. I started thinking I had all these diseases. I started getting MRIs and everything this year because it was a culmination of all of the anxiety and stress that I had been putting under the rug. And Sam was, thank God, there to help me during this and get me back into a place where I'm like, oh, so I'm not dying. And this is just the way that my anxiety is manifesting itself at 31 years old, which is very different than what it was when I was younger. Yeah. It, and it, I mean, I, I I hate that you had to experience that. And I'm so grateful that you had, Sam. But that's, that's the truth of it. So even though you're very aware and this is something you openly talk about at different experiences and different times of your life, it can still look different and still might take a minute for us to identify what's going on. But being open to those conversations, you know, when I was 18 years old and the, the conversation of mental health finally started to like unveil itself, I was like, get the hell out of here. I'm not talking about this. I'm not crazy. I'm not delusional. I'm not being labeled as that. Where now conversations like this are so important because it helps you see not only are you none of those things, but so many people are dealing with the same issues. Oh my gosh. And that's so like, cause mine started in elementary school. And I remember being like, I'm the only person who feels this way. I'm all by myself. And then another girl, I remember saying, coming up to me and being like, do you feel like X, Y, Z? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, me too. And I was like, what? Like there's nobody else on this earth that feels how I do. Like it, 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 especially it for high school, for me, it was, it, it didn't rear its head back in high school as much as I am interested. I know it did in some ways, but not so much in other ways, but it comes out in different points of your life. And I can't imagine, like, we just didn't, we just didn't think anyone else was ever struggling like we were. 
I had no idea Jordan struggled. Right. I, I mean, and I can't tell you over the past, you know, seven plus years now that I've been doing this, the amount of people that have said that to me, like, I had no idea that you struggled because what's depicted in the media and in movies and on TV shows of people struggling with mental illness is very different than what I look like, you know, and that's, they show very severe cases or undiagnosed cases or untreated cases. And that's very different than the 25% of the country that's battling. And it's important for us to show people living successful full lives and sharing their stories openly because it takes away that stigma of everybody that battles a mental illness is violent or unpredictable and that's really the opposite you know Mm. yes yeah I mean I really think I mean one of the reasons why I got into counseling initially was because I had such a hard time in high school and my counselor and the services that were available weren't adequate right like I I, wet I can't name a worse situation of like, okay, your body is going through all of these hormonal changes and we're going to just throw you into this giant Petri dish of personalities, of cliques, of this. And sure. it's like, and it's like, just go, you figure yeah. it out. Right. <laughs> right. And, it's, right. and it's so frustrating to see that like now as an adult who, who did struggle with a lot of that mm-hmm. and still, I mean, I struggle every day with something at some point, right. Sometimes you just get we hit with do. something, yeah. right. And it's to think that there are people out there that are afraid to have the conversation. I mean, especially being a male. I, this is something that being absolutely. a male is absolutely, uh, for the most part, growing up was definitely frowned upon. It was always just toughen up, you know, just yeah. do, do what you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you just kind of, you just sweep it under the rug. But now mm-hmm. that it's, it's at a better point, it's not great, but it's at a better yeah. point now where you can at least have these conversations. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to be a part of this is because these conversations need to have a male perspective as well, for sure. Because like what it, it, it's just the entire process is so different from person to person, but I don't want any males in the audience to be like, oh, that's not me. I, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then just sure. have something, you know, kind of show up later in life, you know? And Absolutely. I've actually had, I, I'm so happy that, well, that I was asked to be on here, but I'm happy that there's the male perspective because so often with Listen Lucy, when I do, obviously when I do assemblies, back when I could do assemblies, um, it, there would be a mixed crowd. But whenever I would host workshops, um, I would have, you know, one or two men or, you know, younger, younger men or whatever age be interested, but they always would ask, are there other guys there? Mm. And a majority of the time that there weren't, and then that would deter them, which I completely understood, but it's so important to be having this conversation. Women, it's, it's not frowned upon for us to express our feelings. And that goes into obviously talking about your mental health and that it's not seen as a weakness as much as it is for men. And obviously that's, I mean, that's a whole other episode that we could talk about for, Mm. for days and days. So I appreciate you being willing to open up about it because I have witnessed firsthand how difficult it is to get men uh, to talk about it. And it's so prevalent in all of our lives. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I want to, so like, we'll take a, we'll go backwards a little bit, but like for you, Jordan, right? Like when, when did, cause again, there was that whole, we didn't know Jordan struggled. We had no idea. Jordan didn't open up about it. And that's a lot of things people say to me too, because we're bubbly people, George. So it's like, people are like, I, there's no way you struggle. And I'm like, you have 
no idea like what goes right behind behind when the burst like when the bubble bursts like hello we're a little you know so I always say I come at my mental illness with that same energy so like my it says it's as fierce as like my bubbly personality right so it's not something that I get like the mania that I experience is as wild as whenever I am like hosting an event, you know, or like when I'm leading 100%. a soccer team or whatever it is, it, it match it actually matches my personality pretty well. It's just on the, you know, the little bit unstable side. <laughs> Which is so, so me too. Like, so me too. Cause I'm zero to a hundred and I'm zero to a hundred with my anxiety. It's like, I'm going to die or I'm a hundred percent fine. Right. Like there's, there's no in between. It's just boom, boom. But, um, so take me back to like when you maybe started struggling with anxiety and, and where that kind of led you, like, when did that happen for you? When was that age for you? Like when you think you started or why you think it started for you? Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously I've spent a ton of time looking back on my childhood because of what I do for a living and through just like my own personal healing journey of therapy and all of that. Um, I think that I always was just um, a little bit more nervous and anxious as a kid, but I would never say like I had a very carefree childhood, but I was just like always more nervous of getting in trouble and things like that. Nothing that I think raised a red flag, but I think I started struggling. There was just really a perfect storm um, of stuff going on. I started having like undiagnosed health issues my junior year of, of high school. And it took them like over two years to figure out what was wrong. So when I was, I played three sports and um, I was, you know, obviously training and in shape and could run for soccer games on end and basketball, like none of that. But my body physically couldn't keep up. And it took a very long time to figure out that my blood pressure wasn't rising and you know, whatever. But in the meantime, they started like pumping me full of medication and taking me in for these like very like life altering tests. And like, if I had MS or, you know, something else just as serious and the stress of all of that and going from one, one serious test in another doctor's office with undiagnosed issues, it was just weighing on me so much at the same time as that. Um, I had some family issues uh, going on and I was being bullied. And um, I think that is whenever things started to like really rear its head for me. And I didn't know how, because if had I been bullied a different year, it like, it never would have affected me, but because I was in such a vulnerable place, it, and the other things I couldn't control, like that's something that I could just like sink into. And it was a really difficult time for sure. Um, and as people suggested for me getting help, I refused for like over two years to get help. And when I went to college, uh, you know, your problems don't go away when you leave the city. So when I went to college, <laughs> that's when it like, it exploded. You know, I, I was out of my comfort zone. Uh, the people that I was feeling safe around were gone. I mean, my husband was there, who was my boyfriend at the time, but it was just a really hard time and not knowing what was wrong with me. And I thought I had like a heart condition. I thought I was dying. And then eventually, you know, I went to therapy my freshman year of college, but those two years uh, plus it was just chaos, panic attacks, not keeping food down, grades, like slipping. It was just, just living in complete chaos for years. Yeah. And then from and and I will say, and this is the 
this is why Jordan and I and Sam are so passionate about talking about this because like I said, like you would look at Jordan and be like, like this girl got nothing going on. Like you just, everyone, everyone holds it together in front of other people, especially when you're in high school and you're worried about people think of you. And if you're, especially if you're dealing with bullying and that makes me mad because I just want to go back and be like, who the heck would do that to you? But bullies are my buttons. They're definitely my buttons. Yeah. And that can just make every issue so, so much more heightened, right? Like so much more heightened. And so, but what I obviously wanted to get to too was then that led you though. I feel like we all feel that way. It's like, we all went through shitty times, but we're like, those shitty times are actually what led the foundation for us to help others, which is what you would never think of at the time that like that horrible situation that you felt like you were in was going to help people one day. That's just not where my head was. I, I'm not speaking for you, but I feel like that's where my head was never like, oh, I'm going to be able to help people because of this. I couldn't even get like from the morning to the middle of the day. I wasn't thinking like eventually I'm going to use this. Yes. <laughs> right. I just wasn't, I didn't have the capacity for it, but I am incredibly grateful for the experiences, not only because of what I get to do for a living, but I also think of how much it is a part of my personality and like the person I've become. And, you know, we always, when we talk about our mental illness and mental health, it's always these like negative stories and these traumatic stories, which is all true, but like so much good has come from me professionally and personally, you know, I'm a more empathetic person. I'm an ambitious person. I'm a driven person. I'm a kind person. I really can put myself in other people's shoes. And I, I attribute all of that to my anxiety disorders and what I had to go through. Uh, and then when you were in college, I obviously know this just because I'm, I'm so a, a big fan of your story, but, and we've done, we've done stuff together before, like back in Pittsburgh, but, um, and want to do, I want to do more things all the time. I'm like, I just want to work with Jordan. She's amazing. But, um, you then started something in college that I think is so awesome and maybe explain to people what Listen Lucy is, where that came from, that whole story. So um, Listen Lucy is my mental health organization. The idea of it actually did come in college. I didn't put it into play until years after, um, but the idea, that's where it surfaced. Um, Listen Lucy started as an anonymous online outlet where people can share their stories and use writing as a coping technique without fear of um, ridicule or judgment. Writing has always been such a major coping technique for me. Um, Most people that struggle with these issues or just struggle in general, um, they can relate to the feeling of not being able to properly express what they're feeling and what's going on. And mental illness is obviously invisible. So it was very hard for me to get people that weren't experiencing it to understand how I was feeling. But I found through writing when I was like trying to take my time, when I wasn't during, it wasn't during a panic attack, I could express myself. And whether that was read to my therapist, my family or nobody, um, or published in a paper or nobody at all, um, it really helped me heal and kind of sort through and and get the tools I needed to be able to talk about this. Um, Again, not with the goal to talk about it professionally, but just to be able to talk about it in my everyday life. Um, So I I created an outlet for people to do that. Uh, Through that, it has evolved to an organization that uses our lived experiences to end the stigma surrounding mental illness. So prior to COVID, um, I was going into middle schools, high schools, um, colleges, and other mental health organizations, as well as I had just started going into um, 
corporations, uh, sharing my story, discussing mental illness, discussing coping techniques, um, and really trying to put a face to what mental illness really looks like. Um, I have three books out. I just came out with my third book, um, which is my first children's book aimed towards elementary school kids called Little Lucy and Little Butterflies. I love that, by the way. This is like the best. I know. It's like when she came out with that, I was like, hell yeah. Like I, that needs, but it needs to be out there. Like, where do you see a mental health book for children maybe that are dealing with anxiety? Like my, I didn't know. I didn't, that was never in a book when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. And I think my goal was to bring it up in like an informal, bright way that wasn't intimidating to kids or parents because these issues can start as young as whatever age. And, but it could be overwhelming for parents of, you know, being a new parent myself, it, it's overwhelming thinking about introducing these ideas to your kids. So using the little butterflies as anxiety, um, is, it was the way for me to hopefully bring that up. So that's a little bit about me. I mean, I feel like there's so much more to say, but I don't want to just like babble on about all the stuff with Liz and Lucy, but no, now- but I love it. And how, but go ahead. you go. No, no, you <laughs> go. No, you that go. that is such a good idea with the book because when I was in the the elementary school, I spent most of my time in kindergarten and first grade. That's that's yeah. where a lot of the social emotional issues were focused in on. It yeah. was amazing the things that were going on in those children's lives that yeah. they just couldn't, they didn't have the faculties or they didn't have the know how to express. Sure. So the majority of my day was like, okay, we're going to play basketball in the gym. And like, if you want to talk, we can do that. Yeah. Coloring yeah. or walking or just something to get them to, to, you know, just start to be able feel to feel comfortable. Yeah. And, and how important it is for, I mean, and this ties into to all the stuff you guys do with fitness, but how important, uh, it is to get the, that, like get up and moving and get that physical feeling of anxiety out of you. Um, through the pandemic, my business was obviously, uh, clobbered because I run off on events and being in schools and it was the shock of a freaking lifetime. And it took me six months. And I just did a post about this on my social media recently that writing wasn't working for me. I didn't have the words. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to say. I couldn't figure out how to save listen Lucy. And I was just in this like really confused, stuck, devastated state and running, was everything I hate running and I ran five to six times a week for six months I was I was hitting and I don't run you know the the most I run is five miles but I don't run sorry um I don't run uh I I was trying to do it to clear my mind and that physical release of that anxiety Mm. and tension in my body like I feel like that's so important for people to understand that while it is mental there are physical things that are actually happening you aren't it's not delusion and how important getting up and moving even if it's coloring or taking a walk or whatever the other things that you mentioned how important that is for you to be able to physically release that energy inside of you and i if we could just flash back for a moment jordan of our five mile uh north park runs for soccer and how we'd have to do them every year yeah and now oh, I'm out there time. voluntarily. Yeah. Right. But I actually had that written down. There's so many pieces I want to pick up on with what you just said, but one would be um, something. Well, first let's touch on the most recent, which would be COVID and what that everyone on this podcast should know at this point, what that did for me, since my intro story will be all about that. But um, 
for you, I saw you post about it and it was, and it was very interesting to me because Sam and I are very in-person people. Like we, I would rather train a client in person all day. I don't mind zoom, but it's like, I am an in-person person. Everyone knows that about me. That's how I thrive. So, and Sam is very similar. And so we, same thing had to pivot. And then we're very lucky that we kind of were able to get back into the gym setting, get back into being with people again. And that's kind of keeping us, you know, back to feeling quote unquote normal. But for someone that's all of these obstacles right now about getting into schools, being in schools, getting in person with people, like, where are you at now? Like, what's your, what was that for you? Yeah. Um, it was, it was, like I said, it was just like the biggest shock. I was gearing up for the busiest time in Liz and Lucy's history, the biggest financial gain in Liz and Lucy's history. Like just, I just launched a new branch of my business called Liz and Lucy Presents where I launched four other or three other speakers. We were coming up on the speaker showcase and a fundraiser and starting to launch this national um, version of people talking all over the country under the Liz and Lucy name. And that was like on Tuesday. <laughs> and then Friday, oh, was, yeah, Friday, the world shut down. And then Monday I lost, you know, everything. And that's it it's taken honest to God. I think two weeks ago is the first time I started really talking about it because it was just such a, I had to like grieve truly. I mean, I think that sounds dramatic, but the amount of time and effort and energy and money that you sacrifice building your own business. And especially when your business is based off of your own past trauma, there's just so much that goes into it. Um, and for it being taken away from me without any warning and from nothing that I did, was just a huge shock. Um, but now I'm still not in, able to go into schools. Schools, you know, they have my heart completely because I, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm working in a school right now in their workforce development program, but the, what they're up against right now is unbelievable. It's, it's mm -hmm. overwhelming beyond comprehension. And so they're, obviously their goal is not assemblies right now. Um, I am an in-person person as well and feeding off the energy is so important and I feel like I don't love zoom for this it's perfect and and cool but I you know I present in front of 700 kids the chances of them showing up paying attention you know it's it's not a half-assed effort but it's a half-assed version of what we do right and there's nothing yes. you can do about it so the way I have pivoted my business which I just launched a couple weeks ago um is I am going to do uh, public relations for other mental health organizations. Um, I've had a really great time creating connections in the media and press through Listen Lucy and launching Little Lucy during the pandemic really showed me how strong my relationship with the media is. Um, I was very lucky. Um, well, I don't even want to say I lucky. I worked really hard. <laughs> I didn't get lucky. Yeah, totally. I worked really right. hard. Yeah, and I had great coverage of Little Lucy launching and was able to get a lot of press placement. So I want to be able to do that for other small organizations that are focusing on causes that I'm passionate about, whether that's a full-blown company, an advocate, an activist, a, a, you know, someone with a story that needs to be told that can't afford to pay PR agencies, you know, $5,000 a month, they still deserve the light to be shown on them. So I'm going to try to help them, um, get the press that they deserve. And we're still ending the stigma that way as well. So that's how I'm pivoting. Isn't she yeah. awesome, Sam? Yeah. And I'm noticing a trend with everybody that we're, that we're talking to. It starts off with a 
grassroots effort, helping one person at a time, and then you develop into helping these hubs to really multiply the efforts to multiply what you're doing. And it's so awesome to see. And it's just, this is like, yeah, I'm like floored again. Like this is every time we're on one of these things. I'm like, just mouth open. Like this is. (laughs) I know. And it's like, I'm introducing Sam to all these people. And I'm like, wait till you talk to them. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Wow. I hope I'm not disappointing. I appreciate it. No, but it's, it's the stories, right? Like it's, and that's what, that's what this is about. Like when I started blogging or even doing social media, I had nothing but my own stories. I used to post a blog post, God bless myself every day, like for five days a week when I first started blogging 10 years ago. Um, about my, what my cat did that day and what I did that day. Like it was, it's our story. And that's, I feel like what these people that we're bringing on are still sharing because as much as these, I love doing a photo shoot and I love getting out and doing like a fitness shoot. And I love talking about whatever I always bring. Like if I get like a new pair of shoes to try, I always am like, Hey, so I'm going to talk about the shoes, but I need to, I'm going to rope this into a different story because it's not we are keeping it that grassroot, like that grassroot feel while staying true to ourselves. And I think that's where this all sprouted from for me, like a long time ago, but bringing all the guests on that are every single person has a story. And if we could do this every day, we would, because hearing like getting off the call with our last guest or getting, getting on here with you, like inspires me to the next thing. And I think this is a great reminder that we are all, like working super hard separately. But then when we bring it all together, we are so motivated by each other and the energy it's momentum. It just, it's just momentum. And that's what picks up after this. And so this segue is horrible because it has nothing to do with momentum, but what I no, not at all. But what, <laughs> yes. One of my, one of my favorite older songs. Um, so yeah, love that one. So I actually wanted to go back to another part of your story you were saying, cause I had these little, these little nuggets written down of what I wanted to talk about, but you brought them up anyway, which is lovely, but I'm so interested to chat with you about becoming a mom because I think, okay. So we both went through a lot of our anxiety when we were children and we, and obviously Sam too. I'm, I'm sorry. I was coming from the, from the soccer days. So Sam, you're in there. You're in there, but a lot of it started from when we were younger, which is a lot of what, what happens with a lot of people, but, um, something that my, so my parents, my parents had no idea of really what to do with me other than my mom had, has, had also had anxiety, but I don't know if it was as on, I don't want to say the same level, like it's a comparison, but she consuming maybe also some parts of it were for sure. Like, I think I came out of the womb with part of what she had gone through hundred percent. Um, but I remember my parents going to therapy with me and now my mom is so passionate about helping other parents with kids that are having these issues because my mom didn't really have a lot of, a lot of, uh, tools or other than going to therapy, which resources, which is obviously so important. And so I always have this little ounce of me that's, slightly concerned. I don't want to say concerned, but about becoming a mom, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, whatever way we, that happens for us. But it's like, I get nervous a little bit of in our, say they 
say they come from me, right? Are they going to have traits of my anxiety? Are they going to, so I'm so curious to your perspective on becoming a mom and what that did for your anxiety. Okay. So I can, I, in in no way am I any sort of expert in parenthood or mental health parenthood. (laughs) I mean, I've only been doing this for over a year, but I can tell you that one, I am scared about it constantly. Not only am I nervous that my son, whose name is Griffin, that Griffin is going to get my struggle with mental illness. Um, I'm more afraid of creating an environment that he lives in that's chaotic. You know, I think that our parents didn't know what we know, right? So my parents had no idea what to do with me either. Um, The conversation wasn't where it is now. So the world wasn't talking about it. And it wasn't when they figured out that I do had, I did have a mental illness that they didn't, they still didn't know what that meant or what that did. That's not their fault. Um, But here's what I can tell you. I, before I even tried to get pregnant, I could not, this is sounds so dramatic, but it's true. I could not even talk about it without crying because I was so afraid of what I was going to do, like how me just being me was going to screw up my kid and and coming off medication, if that's what I decided to do and being pregnant and panic attacks and all of that. But I worked so hard. I went to therapy every day from the minute I started trying to, or not every day, I'm sorry, every week from the minute I started trying to have a baby until six months postpartum or, or longer until the pandemic. So, um, and I talked about those fears and planned for those fears and said out loud, like what I thought everybody else was thinking, which nobody else was thinking that, but, and if they were, they they weren't saying it to me, but I was so afraid. I was so afraid of that. But what I feel like I understand now is first I'm people, parents that struggle with mental health from what I understand or postpartum depression, which was another thing I was so terrified of these symptoms tend to sneak up on people, right? A lot of times it's their first time struggling with mental illness. In no way, shape, or form does my mental illness sneak up on me anymore, right? Because I've been doing this for over 15 years. The other thing is, is that mental health wasn't a conversation in my house growing up because people weren't having those conversations. Now in my house with my son, mental health is never going to be something that's stigmatized because he will just always know about it and not in a scary way. But as we talk about physical health, we'll be talking about mental health and for him to see me working on it and then creating this organization and working on it, working on that to help change that conversation. I'm hoping impacts him in a positive way. And as worried as I get when I see hints of anxiety I mean he's one so how much do I really see it's hard to say but when I see that I also hope the things that I was telling you about that are the positives about me are transferred to him right like I hope my empathy my kindness my work ethic my drive all of that that's all part of my anxiety so I want him to have that you know so I truly have had to work day and night on reframing and challenging every fear I have as a parent. I have no idea if I'm doing a good job. (laughs) I can tell you that I have surprised myself. I mean, what really surprised me was during the pandemic when all this happened, honest to God, had Griffin not been in my life, I feel like I would have crumbled so much harder. I feel like it pushed me to do the work that maybe I would have been too deep in a hole to do because I now have this other person that depends on me and he's more important than anything I do. 
Does that make sense? Right. Yep. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's that really fits into a conversation that we had with a, another guest. I don't know. Again, I don't know what order we're putting these in. This could be a, a <laughs> preface or it could be the epilogue. We don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the whole idea of that growth versus that fixed mindset with it too, mm-hmm. right? Like I deal a lot with athletes and Casey does as well. And a lot of the times they're like, oh, I need to get better at soccer and I need to practice to get better at this thing, right? And yeah, it's the same idea with mental health is you need to build the skill of mental health. Uh, you need to constantly put the time in, the work in, the effort in. It, it's not something that you just are born with being good yeah. at. It's just, it's right. just like any other skill set. It's like right. it takes Absolutely. that daily practice to really build up your capabilities of, of coping mm-hmm. and just dealing with things and just going through life in a, a very, you know, mental health conscious way. It, it's not something you just have happened, right? Like it's, it's not work. something you happen to. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. It's work and it's work every single day, but there yep. have been two times through since I gave birth that I was like on the verge of maybe a panic attack or some sort of breakdown. And both times now I did what I needed to do proactively instead of reacting to it. So about a week after giving birth, my hormones were crazy. My anxiety was wild. I I felt like I was crawling out of my skin immediately. I had prepared for it. I had a crisis plan written out, which my husband was cracking up as I gave him a a copy of that, but, um, you know, I'm prepared and I knew exactly what to do. I called my therapist and said, I need an emergency appointment. That call calmed me down, that appointment calmed me down. And then honest to God, a couple weeks ago, my husband coaches football. He was at football practice. There had just been so much going on in my life. I felt like I was feeding my son dinner and I felt like my anxiety was getting so bad. And I kept thinking about him I having to put him in a crib while I had a panic attack and it was like terrifying me. And I called my mom, which I would have never done prior and said, I need you to come over here. I'm scared I'm going to have a panic attack. When she got here, it alleviated that concern of my son witnessing me having a panic attack or me having to in a dramatic sense, abandon him in his crib while I go deal with this. And that, it took away that fear that sometimes like throws you into a panic attack for me. So both Mm -hmm. of those things were things that I knew because I've been putting the work in this whole time. You know, it wasn't like I just read somewhere that that's what you should do. I've had to actively do that for 15 years for it to pay off for me as a parent, you know, like it really paid off. And I think that's a major point whenever we discuss mental health is that people think when you go get medication, medication doesn't solve the issue. Medication evens you out so you can talk about the issue in a a normal like brain capacity or going to therapy doesn't solve the issue the first time you're there. First time you're there, you get evaluated. Nothing happens. You know, and, and Mm. there are all these things that I feel like people don't understand that go into how much work it is, but that whenever you continuously do the work, you have these like major monumental victories that you weren't prepared for. And those examples are two of those for me. That's amazing. And I want to touch on medication because I, it's something that, um, I think has a massive stigma attached to it and something I personally uh, struggled with because when I was, uh, this was just probably about, well, right after college, when I started my own business, when I was like, I'm going to be a trainer and I'm going to build it from the ground up. But I was also blogging and doing everything I was doing, but I was feeling all of this sense of like pressure and what my, and thinking so far into the future and what it was going to look like. And 
I would wake up every morning with heart. My heart would be racing when I got out of bed. And I remember being saying to my mom, like, I'm 23 and I'm waking up with my heart racing like this. I didn't even do anything yet. Like I didn't even like nothing. And so my mom said to me, who has also been on a, a small dose of medication for years for her anxiety, said to me, you know what, Case, you have done you have gone to therapy. You have, you've putting in all this work. The therapist also recommended it. And I just had this, such a stigma with it as if I got on medicine, then I was almost failing or I was giving up or I wasn't, and I, and I didn't want to be on medicine and I wanted, I wanted to be able to do it by myself. And so when I went and talked to my, to the, to the therapist about it, I said, I'm really struggling with this. And they said, use it. At, maybe this is a tool for you to because I kept saying, I feel like my brain is constantly spinning, but I can't lock it down. Like I, I, I go to sit down and do one thing, but I'm thinking about tomorrow and I'm thinking about yesterday and then I'm worried about these symptoms I'm having. And then I'm, so it's constant, right? And she said, this may just even you out to the point where your decisions will be more clear. And so I gave it a try. And that was, I don't know, seven years ago now. And I remember keep my mom saying to me, what a difference, what a difference, Casey, you're not so fixated on one thing or zero to a hundred, you're making clearer decisions. And then I got to a point where I said, oh, I'm good. I don't want to be on it anymore. I'm coming off of it, which I think is a normal thing for people to go through. Like I feel good. Cause you're, cause then you think back, cause you're on the medication, obviously you're going to feel a little bit better. So I'm like, I'm good off the medication. Wasn't going to therapy started spiraling again. Because for me personally, I need that little bit of help. And so when I finally just let myself do it and got back on the medication and got back into what I was doing, it was during the pandemic. So I started to, I mean, I spiraled worse this past year than I had in a very long time. And I wasn't on medication, wasn't going to therapy. And I quickly realized that those are two tools that I need in my toolbox at all, like right now at, at all times for me. So got back on my medication and got back into therapy. And I will tell you that as much as my therapist is a very like holistic minded therapist, she was like, listen, like there are people that just need that to calm the brain down. And so I've never really openly talked about it because I, I, I often struggle with because I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you what milligrams would be good. I don't know. But for me, I'm on like a 20 milligram dose of, I don't even remember what it's called, to be honest with you, but it works for me and it helps my busy brain go to bed. That's how I, that's how I talk about it. My busy brain is no longer there. Like my head feels a little bit clearer and I'm able to do my day to day with still little hints of the anxiety brain, but it is, it is, I'm a different person. I'm, I'm myself. I'm more myself, to be honest with you. So maybe like touch on medication and that stigma that we have and the concerns people have. Not saying we're, we're not doctors. We always say we're not doctors. Don't take what we're saying. But for us, right? Yeah, I think what's important is that sharing experiences helps, helps other people better advocate for themselves, right? So I've been on medication, off medication, depending on where I am in my life. Right now, I am currently not medicated, and I'm happy not being medicated. Three years ago, I was medicated. Um, mm -hmm. Either or, 
it's what's best for you is what's best for you. What's important is to not go away from coping techniques because you're afraid of what that might mean like to society, right? The medication exists. It works for some people beautifully. It's not everybody's favorite. It's okay to be nervous to go on it. But I think what's really important for me is a couple years, years and years ago now, actually, but like maybe four or five years ago when I was getting ready to film my docuseries, I had to go back on medication. I was, you know, just in a bad way. And I was resistant as a mental health advocate that speaks publicly about it. I was resistant myself because I didn't, I felt like I was failing, like what you said. And when I went to my therapist and was talking to her about how I was feeling, she said, the medication gives you a chance to be on the same playing field as everybody else. So like, you're not starting a football field behind everybody else. You're all at the same starting line. So it gives you a better way to attack whatever the issue is that is wrong. And that made sense to me. Again, it it has to be what you're comfortable with. As I continued, I wanted to try to do my pregnancy without medication. Um, But I went went in fully aware, having conversations with all my doctors, my therapists, everybody was on the same page that I had no problem going on medication if that's what was best for me and for the baby. So Mm -hmm. I think what's so important about it is that these conversations need to happen, that you understand that you can be fully functioning, that you can address dosages, to know what questions to ask whenever you go on medication. For me, one of the things I push always is asking what side effects will happen when you go on, and more importantly, what side effects happen whenever you come off. Um, Because Mm -hmm. I've had some very very overwhelming experiences of of coming off and withdrawals from medication. So I think the conversation about it is more than this medication fixes me, but it's not that it helps. It helps to do the side effects of everything going on. So then you can put the work in to fix the problem, right? Because if you don't go to therapy and you're just on medication, when you take off that medication, you haven't done any work to challenge your mind. So it's still there. We need to do both. So you know, it's not a quick fix, that's for sure. But it's not anything anyone should be ashamed of, right? It's something that can can drastically improve your life if that's a coping technique that's great for you. Right. What an I wonder if Sam's picking up on this too. Like what a parallel to the fitness industry, right? Like to people that come to us and they're like, Hey, so I want to work with you for a month and I want to lose 40 pounds and I want to feel better about myself and I want to my life to change. And I want, and again, there's no shame in that. It's that we feel the same way as like, we're so passionate about the way we are with mental health. As far as like, I know the work I've had to put in this, this medication is not a band aid. It didn't make anything go away other than help, help level me out. Like you said, I hundred percent feel what you're feeling about the football field. That's how I feel. Like I understand what that feels like. So it doesn't take away your worries and your anxieties, but it helps you um, come at them totally approachable, uh, more approachable. It's more, it makes things a little more approachable, but it's the same thing in the fitness industry. Oh, I want this, 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 it's that, that juice cleanse, that running on a treadmill for, you know, 30 days straight, because that's the next thing you're following is only a bandaid to what our deeper issue is going on. Why you want to be better, why you want to feel better. Why do you want to lose that weight? It's not. And that's the beauty of the fitness industry is we are more so opening that door now to being like, there is so much big, bigger of a mental piece than people even realize. 
there's such a connection, but like, you know, I, it's making me think of this uh, post I did not so long ago about actually a basketball practice I had in high school where Mr. Tim Coe, another shout out, uh, was very <laughs> angry at us, very angry at us. And he made the JV and varsity basketball team do defensive slides for two hours. It was it was wild and it's it makes yeah. me laugh it, it was making me laugh then and it makes me laugh now it was just right. it was a wild wild day he was very angry and we were all so exhausted and he had said in the practice the work will never get easier but your time to recover will get faster and during one of my runs I was getting the during my one of my runs during the pandemic I was coming up a hill towards my neighborhood actually by Monterelli where we used to play soccer and I was coming up yeah. the hill and I was getting so pissed off because I run five days a week and why is this still so hard for me and as I like you know hit the peak of the hill and was coming down I realized how how quickly um my recovery time was and like how quickly I bounced back and I thought it's the same thing with my mental health and which was what my post was about I will continue to struggle with my mental health, but my recovery time, things that used to like send me on my ass for weeks at a time may now like interrupt my afternoon, you know, because I continue to work and train the training physically and the training mentally. It has to be your lifestyle. It's not a fad. It's not a diet. It's not, let's go to therapy for a month because that's not fixing shit. Same thing as if I go and run on a treadmill for 30 days, but don't change any of my habits. And then after 30 days, I don't lose 40 pounds and I'm done. That's not, it has to be a continued lifestyle of waking up and being aware every day. And it becomes less of like a drag. It's like now, same thing with working out for me. It's just part of my day. It's not something I dread. It's not, it's part of my lifestyle that keeps me healthy and keeps me focused. And it's the same thing with my mental health. Amen. Oh, <laughs> I was waiting for, I was waiting for Sam to go boom or amen. <laughs> Um, so my, maybe to, oh my God, this has been an amazing conversation. So to bring it all together, what I would love, um, cause I feel like this is part one with Jordan. I feel like we can get into so many different, um, avenues and like, I know, and like, I'd love to, there's so many different points I brought up that I'd love to bring you back on for, but I, I wanted to, um, maybe cause I always love tidbits, right? Like when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm thinking like, you know, am I, am I learning? Am I growing? Am I getting something out of it? Maybe it's the teacher in me. That's always like, you know, what is our, what is our end all be all? What do I want them to take from this? And I think if you could maybe share what you, in your opinion, maybe like the top, like if somebody right now is listening to this and they're either thinking, man, like I maybe should look into getting help or I should, you know, I'm feeling this way and I want to get a better grasp on like what I, what I am feeling and what I want to do. What would you maybe, I don't want to say like the top three, like it has to be three things or if, if it's just the top one thing, like what would you give them? Like, what would you say to someone right now that's struggling like your three steps maybe, or three top things to take more, take their life back into their hands? If, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. The first thing I would say is how you're feeling, um, is valid and it's fair. And what you're feeling is important and don't try to stifle that because you think you don't deserve to feel those things, right? It doesn't have to be the worst thing anyone's ever experienced. What you feel is what you feel. So validate that for yourself. Um, the second thing is, uh, 
you have everything you need inside of you to get this under control. So while you may need to learn about coping techniques or have a mental health professional help you, the only person that's going to fix this for you is you and you're capable 100% to do that for yourself and you deserve to be happy and healthy. So this is a temporary thing that you're going through. So validate yourself and then also trust yourself that you can do this. Um, I think that that's, it's one of the most empowering things in the world to understand that you can do it. You can do it. Um, and that we aren't meant to have to do these things alone. So find the help, um, find things that, that coping techniques, it's depending on where you are, whether you have health insurance or what your socioeconomic status is, do research, whether that's on Instagram or, through your PCP, uh, figure out what the options are that are viable for you and then start trying things. Um, be patient with the process. Uh, like we keep saying, it's not a one-time fix. You know that so often we say, you know, if you had a broken leg, you would go and get a cast or if you had strep throat, you'd go and get an antibiotic. Well, when you take an antibiotic, you start feeling better pretty immediately. That's not what this is, but don't let that intimidate you. Um, there is so much help and so many resources out there. You are not alone in how you're feeling. I promise you. I talk to people every single day that are struggling with things from all walks of life, all variety of issues from mental health and outside of mental health. Everybody is struggling um, to, to manage something. So believe that it's okay to feel that way. Validate how you're feeling. Trust yourself in the process. Be patient and then seek the help. Um, and advocate for yourself. I think those are the, those are the top things for me. Like I'm like writing it all down. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Can you see you have my number. You can just text me. <laughs> Girl, I know. Like, what did you say again? Tell me again. Um, so let's, uh, just want everyone to be able to follow you and, and also like what you offer as like what you were talking about, like with your, with your PR and everything you're doing. So if you want to touch on that and then we'll make sure to link everything in the show notes with my editor named Casey Brown. Cause that's what, that's what I, I always joke. I'm like, Oh, it's my editor. And it's like me and Sam together. I'm like, cool. <laughs> the janitor and the CEO and everybody in between. That that's is, what I always oh, say. Yes, yeah. so true. Um, so true. Okay. So you can follow me on listen, Lucy. Uh, it's just my handle for everything is at listen, Lucy, one word. Uh, listenlucy.org is my website. And right now we're offering um, PR and marketing services to mental health organizations, activists, advocates um, to help you get the press you need to ensure success for your business. Um, we, want to, we are now a creative hub for the mental health industry. So um, we offer affordable rates for startup companies or small businesses um, because I've been there and I live there. So I want to make sure you get the services that are so important to ensure longevity in, in your career um, for a rate that you know, doesn't set you back. Um, if you guys have any questions, you can also email me at jordan at listenlucy.org or DM me on social media. I'm the one that answers everything. <laughs> the janitor and the CEO. Um, and where can we find your children's book? Where I'm going to link it below. It's on my like, website. Can, it's on, on my website. website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, there's a little Lucy tab on listenlucy.org. Um, real quick. Who's Lucy? Yes, Lucy is a nickname that my mom gave me when I was little, and she very rarely calls me Jordan. So she's called me Lucy my whole life, Luce, Lucinda, Lucille. Um, and it, listen, Lucy sounds better than listen, Jordan. I always say if it was listen, Jordan, I wouldn't have been anywhere. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd still I be at my first it. job out of college. Yeah. Nobody would book me right. if I was less than Jordan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's the best. And so many of those things like line up in our lives for crazy reasons. Same with power cakes, like our family name for pancakes. Like that's just what you just have that. And you never think it would be part of your business. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is my story. Identity. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. And I can't believe we didn't touch on that earlier, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, people are probably like, who's Lucy? Like, It's always the from? first question. Yeah. It's always the first question at my assemblies. And I always forget to address it because I don't think about yeah. it. Oh my gosh. I love it. Anything from you, Sam, you want to add on before we let Jordan go? No, that was awesome. I definitely appreciate the work that you do helping so many people. And this was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And I feel the same way about the work you guys do. So thank you for letting me, you know, share my story on your outlet and, you know, Casey, anything you ever need, if you want me to come back, whatever you need, you just ask. And I'm, I support you hundred percent and you Sam now work. <laughs> We're making friends. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me. Make sure you guys follow, listen, Lucy, listen, Jordan at our, uh, all the links below. You can find her. She's absolutely amazing. So we'll see you in the next episode. Cut it.